Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Delic. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Be sure to be sure to subscribe. And if you like the show, leave a nice five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. But Apple Podcasts seems to be the main repository uh, of ratings and reviews. So thank you to everybody who goes and does that. If you want to go a step further and support this show, this is an independent show. I do everything myself uh, and uh, trying to bring um, some heart-centered space, some open fields of conscious play and uh, wisdom and knowledge and, uh, and truth to uh, to the uh, to the interwebs to the world, so you can do that by going to my website mikebrank.com. I have uh, a Patreon link there on the homepage on the right hand side, as well as a PayPal link if you want to just do a one time donation to support the show, or if you want to contribute on Patreon, you could also go to patreon.com/mikebrank. That's B-R-A-N-C, and donate as little as a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, a million dollars, whatever you feel. And you get access to like bonus episodes uh, from time to time, stickers, T-shirts. Uh, I have a private chat group of people all around the world called the Mycadelic Inner Sanctum, and in there, people are connecting and sharing, you know, their 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 trip reports, their experiences, their stories, uh, and sharing uh, links and articles and podcasts. And um, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thanks for, for every, all that you do. And thanks for your love and, and kindness and, and uh, encouragement and your feedback. I love hearing from you. Message me. Again, you can go to my website, contact Mike. Uh, there's a contact form on there. Also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Mikeadelic underscore podcast. Uh, Mikeadelic on Facebook and Mike Brank as well. So, uh, yeah, message me. I love hearing from you guys, getting emails or messages uh, and interacting. I, I, I really feel like I want to this to be a real participatory community endeavor um, and a collaborative effort as well. So thank you. So today's episode is uh, is great. It's with the Future Thinkers, uh, Mike and UV, uh, who host F- uh, Future Thinkers, uh, the Future Thinkers podcast and their website, futurethinkers.org, where they also have courses that they offer uh, and uh, write. They have a blog, they do live streams, and they're building a community as well. And I first initially found out about them through a listener of my show who sent me a link to an episode they did uh, that I found to be really stimulating and engaging and uh, why I wanted to talk to them. I feel like they're they're curating uh, very interesting conversations with deep thinkers uh, and who are sort of emerging right now uh, that, that I would also like to have conversations with as I sort of evolve and grow in this show. I always try and keep it keep it fresh. I'm always searching and seeking for uh, new ways of thinking and new understanding and new ways of being and new practices and processes uh, to, to develop into. So future thinkers, go check them out. They're a media platform, community and education portal. They're dedicated to the evolution of society, technology and consciousness uh, and helping people become better adapted to the uncertainty of where things are going as things change with such rapid uh, exponential growth and and you know movement into new directions and new insulated bubbles of fractalized reality that uh, it could be hard to make sense of things and so this is you know they talk about this a lot with the guests that they have on their show and the work that they do you know making making sense 
and uh, collective intelligence. You're going to hear you know these these terms being brought up in the show. Uh, Omni thriving uh, UV brought up, which I thought was really really uh, interesting and really interesting and new term uh, that uh, that that I just became aware of. But we really are uh, in this space where it's an unprecedented time. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast that we, the internet has allowed us to be more connected than ever. And because of that connection, so many new things are able to emerge into a wider stage of, of, uh, of, uh, awareness and, and, you know, a wider, uh, availability. People are being presented with new opportunities and new options for things that they might not have ever come in contact with before. So how do we, how do we, merge with that? How do we learn with that? How do we integrate that? How do we make sense of that and navigate, you know, the sometimes choppy, uh, uncertain territory? Um, so, you know, they, they have great episodes like the one that I listened to with Jamie Wheel, Sense Making and Chaos, Meaning, Wisdom and Transcendence with, with John Verveke, uh, Overcoming the Meaning Crisis, Sovereignty versus Identity, The Shadow, and uh, In Personal and Collective Consciousness, uh, Spiritual Awakening and Development, Rethinking Transhumanism with Douglas Rushkoff, Reuniting, uh, Reuniting Humanity. Uh, they've talked to Rupert Sheldrake about paradigm shifts in science and experiments in consciousness. So uh, really, really interesting. And, I, and, I, and they have a great approach. You know, it's, they seem to really complement each other very well um, and uh, taking a, 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 a nice approach to uh, picking the brains of some of the uh, most original and unique thinkers and that's something that we touched on in this show is like how do we all tap into that space for ourselves and how do we unleash you know this the how do we unleash this sort of freedom and trust in ourselves to interpret the world around us collaborate and communicate with other people and uh, come up with new ways of being to live a more satisfied purposeful and meaning driven life you know i think uh, Joseph Campbell was talking about this the other day. I was listening to something like, I don't think people, he says, I don't think people are really looking for happiness. What people are looking for is meaning, some kind of meaning, some kind of something to uh, make these these lives that we're living worthwhile, worth, uh, you know, something that can give us deep satisfaction and, uh you know, they, they can like really stimulate us into uh, being fully present and fully alive. And as Charles Eisenstein says, like in this living earth, you know, this this living world, really becoming a part of this living world as one of the organs of the world and not just something that is on top of a dying, decaying world that we extract resources out of and, um, you know, invent abstract uh, rules and and theories that that confine us into prisons of thought that suffocate us with ideology and trap us with limited beliefs and, and limitations. So um, I really uh, was very happy to uh, meet and interact with Mike and UV and uh, and get to know uh, th- how their journey and their what they use to put into practice to make sense of the world around us and to uh, always you know keep keep that light shining on learning and curiosity and openness and space and being receptive to changing situations, being nimble, flexible, and adaptive. And so these guys are really 
really interesting and and their their podcast is really interesting and and the things that they're offering and what they're talking about is is really really cool I didn't have uh, like a plan necessarily going into the conversation. I have been. I just recently became aware of them. I, I took notice of some of their uh, podcasts. I listened to some of their things, and um, I really was just trying to kind of gain an understanding of how they see things, what they notice, and uh, you know the kinds of uh, learning that that they're participating in and going through with the people that they work with in their courses and with the interviews that they conduct with the people that come on their podcast. So, uh, yeah, it is really, really cool. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And if you do, please go leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts. It's a, uh, it's really, really nice when you do that it makes me feel good and it makes the, the ideas that uh, we think are worth spreading. If you think these ideas are worth spreading, if you think these conversations are exciting and you like what we're talking about, uh, by leaving a, a, a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it helps boost us up in the algorithm so more people can discover Mikeadelic, more people can discover the people that I have on the show, like the Future Thinkers and other people, and more people can get exposed to these ideas because really that is the key to uh, unlocking a, a more... Uh, a world that's more in harmony with how we actually naturally want to be is if we can spread ideas that are worth spreading and, uh, you know, pop them into people's closed off limited reality bubbles to introduce them and to invite them into uh, considering or, you know, pondering new ways and, and, and new uh, things that they might not have had access to before. So uh, it's really, really, really... Um, that's what I really, really care about is the the spreading and the sharing and the inviting to join in the conversation and to participate. You know, there's so many times online that we see maybe somebody doing something and we say, oh, that sucks. That's stupid. And we like close them down, push them out, smash them to pieces, talk shit, you know, whatever. But really, I want to I want this show and the things that I'm doing to invite dialogue, you know, to start a fire at the campsite and say, hey, sit down and join us and share and, and, and listen and think and think deeply and try and erode the constructs of the cultural toxicity that has been layered and plastered upon us from the conditioning uh, that we've all been thrust into, forced into since such an early age. And so maybe the awakening that's occurring in this time is just an awakening of multiple points of invitation to consider, to think, to feel, to create space in new and different and novel ways, in, in diverse ways. And that is... Uh, that is, I think, a path forward for us, you know, as we're, we're learning and we're seeing each other more and we're connecting more. Uh, so I'm just really, really happy when I see other nodes of consciousness, other uh, things taking shape and taking form that are also doing that, like future thinkers and like, you know, other podcasts and other outlets and other YouTubers that are out there that are uh, creating their own communities and tribes and, and offering something really unique and really fresh and really new uh, to try and be that, that beacon of light to shine a way to say hey come over here and see what see what you think you know and and that that is the most important thing is is making sure that we do our best job to invite others 
to the party, you know, to the to basically say, hey, guys, there's an opportunity. We have multiple choices here. So you don't have to participate in this mainstream dominator paradigm. You don't have to participate in, in the things that you uh, see directly in front of you. But there is a opportunity for us to reach out, to start conversations, to collaborate and to share and to invite others to, to have a seat at the table to uh, be exposed to just new, diverse, and, and novel uh, modes of thought, modes of being, modes of feeling, modes of, of making sense in sometimes what could be an almost senseless world. Uh, but we're here. We are here. You know, these, these pillars are popping up. You know, Mike and UV, uh, myself, uh, you know, um, uh, people like uh, Charles Eisenstein. Um, you know, it's hard to think off the top of my head, but there's many people uh, out there that are doing these things. And uh, it's really coming from a, a passionate place of finding truth and finding meaning amongst uh, what could look like uh, despair, uh, destruction, devastation, chaos, uh, you know, t terrible the terrible unknown, you know, the, the shadow elements that come out of our unconscious, uh, as we get into on this show with Mike and UV, uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, spread, spread it and share it. So thank you to everybody that does, uh, really, really appreciate, really appreciate it very much. And it's not, you know, like, it's not for me, it's for, it's for the, the life force within me that's yearning and desiring to bring about something that's, it's a little bit more, uh, happier and pleasant and peaceful and, and, and in a harmonic uh, vibe with reciprocity and reverence, respect, love. You know, that's, that's, what I, that's what makes me feel most alive. That's what makes my being come, mo come out to be most present and most connected. And I think we're all, you know, searching for that. So whatever we can do to bring that up wherever it is, there's room for everybody to participate. There's room for everybody to share. You know, if you're listening right now and you think maybe I have some ideas or I have some things that I want to do, do it. Start doing it, you know, and and let's help each other. Let's support each other. Um, send it to me, you know, like like pick my brain. I'm, I'm interested to know what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? What do you feel? And what are you like maybe yearning to create? So having said all that, we're about to share a conversation that I think contributes to to this, to this way, um, with Mike and UV, they 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 are the future thinkers. They they have the podcast. They do videos. They have the courses, and uh, they're all about uh, the evolving technology that we see in the world, uh, society, and consciousness, uh, focused to create a more sustainable future for for all of us, for all all of humanity, for all of uh, all of the world. And the podcast explores questions like. What does the future of humanity hold and how can we help engaging and participating to, to, to be a part in creating and birthing this, birthing this you know? Uh, how can we create societies where all human beings can thrive? Uh, as I mentioned, you know, UV bringing up omni-thriving. What is the nature of reality and consciousness? And like I said, Mike and UV are, are uh, having these conversations and these discussions and participating in this collaboration with with new emerging deep thinkers and uh, all kinds of you know brilliant thinkers, not just new ones, but uh, a lot of uh, emerging new thinkers that are being shaped by uh, this this 
you know, exponential increase in connectedness brought on by the internet and the availability of information and the access to uh, old uh, shamanic practices and different ways of, of connecting and being, you know, old ways, new ways, all merging together as one as we inevitably every moment and every second of the day uh, unfold into the future. And the topics they discuss include emerging technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, transhumanism, future societies, consciousness, meditation, psychedelics, and the philosophies that connect all these things. You know, we didn't really get too much into like AI or virtual reality or transhumanism on this show. Um, but uh, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, definitely go check them out. Uh, it was a pleasure to connect with them, to talk with them, to pick their brains, to get there, to understand their points of view and their perceptions. And uh, I hope you guys are going to enjoy this show. So without further ado, let's get into it with the future thinkers, Mike and UV. Thanks. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Of Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. good, 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 good neck of the woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it works for us. Cool. Yeah. So, th- uh, just thanks for for making the time. I know you guys are super busy and and taking calls and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I someone sent me a link to one of your episodes. I think it was with Jamie Wheel, mm. and and I and I was listening to it and I was like, this is awesome. And and I, I I read I read Jamie's book Stealing Fire that he wrote with Stephen Kotler and like the, his perspective has shifted I think so much yes from that book and and kind of departed from Kotler and you know I I'm, I really like what what I heard from Jamie and then I started I was got introduced to Daniel Schmachtenberger and I'm just like you guys kind of like opened this door for me of these new thinkers like, I mean I knew Jamie but I didn't know Daniel. Um, so, and some other people too. And I'm just like, okay, this is really cool because I, I had felt like I'm being insulated in this bubble. You know, I feel like I'm embedded in the psychedelic community, whatever that is. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah. So that's, that's how I came to you. And I just, I would love to just kind of have a chat about all things interesting. What do you, what are you guys thinking about? What's on your mind? Like, what have you been working on? You know, the, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Lots to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, so I'm rolling. Uh, do you want to just go into it, or do you want to? Yeah, let's. Do you... 
let's jump into it. And then I'll usually what I do is I'll, we'll, you know, I like to kind of keep it conversational and then I'll do it. I'll do an intro like beforehand, you know, sure. or a, I mean, after <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll invent a time machine and I'll go back in yeah. time and do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So what's, what's going on with you guys? What's, what's at the, what's at the top of your minds right now? I'm, I'm interested to know what you're, what you're thinking about what you're working on at this current moment. There's a lot going on in the world and in the media that is pretty synchronistic in what we're thinking about and working on. Um, there's kind of this collective thing of people processing grief about the change of the environment, the collapse of potentially the collapse of civilization, um, a lot of things like that. So what we're focused on, on future thinkers is tends to be about the broader societal changes that we're all going through. Um, but it also goes down to a really micro level of what individuals are going through because, you know, individuals do make up the collective intelligence of our planet. Um, and, you know, if a, a lot of people are kind of stuck in trauma or unconscious behaviors or fear or grief or any of these things, then the collective intelligence that manifests as a result of that is going to be pretty scary and potentially destructive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. Yeah. It's really interesting because I feel the same way uh, and I'm noticing, I'm noticing the, that as well. And I feel like I've been having conversations with people that are thinking on that kind of large systems level thinking and civilizational level thinking. And uh, I'm very, very interested in that. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering where do you, where do you guys see this happening or feel this happening the most? I, I have a tendency to think that we nowadays it's, it's very much like online that a lot of this is is manifesting and then we can get into the, the debate of like well is it the real world or is it the online world and does it matter like isn't the online world full of people too so where is this like kind of playing out the most do you think i mean right now there's protests happening all over people are setting things on fire in chile spain catalan independence hong kong everywhere seems to be things going on i don't know about the u.s so much it seems a little it's interesting here. There's something else happening here too. So yeah, I'm wondering where, where you guys see this happening and feel this kind of happening. It depends on who you ask. And generally it depends on what age range range you're asking. Uh, young yeah, people will rage, associate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. young people will associate their, their identity a lot more with their online persona and a lot less with their, their kind of meat space version. Older people, it's kind of the opposite. Um, and we do weekly calls where we have a range of those two age groups. And we, it's really interesting to see the difference between how people, uh, perceive the world and how they engage online and in the real world. It's quite different. I think one mm -hmm. of the things that I see happening is that people are starting to recognize that the online world is kind of the matrix. It's not real. Um, and it definitely, I think comes harder for young people, um, because they grew up with it. So they just kind of got inundated with it and maybe thought that it was the real world. And there's a lot of dis disillusionment happening about that with, you know, there's even a word fake news, but it's actually as if it's a new phenomenon. It's not a new phenomenon. I mean, we've had propaganda for as long as yeah. we've had civilizations. Yeah, so why, we're, why don't people use the term propaganda? That's really weird to me. Fake news, really? This is a new concept? <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, Rebranding. People are, are starting to realize that it's um, 
there's a lot of bullshit out there and that what uh, the reality that is being portrayed in the media is not real reality. And uh, we were just, the call that we just got off of actually, we were discussing that with a group and uh, people in, uh, from all over the world actually in, in all different age groups. And everybody was noticing the same thing that there seems to be a pattern of people wanting to go back to uh, real life and interact with people face to face and engage with people face to face as opposed to just consume media or even even in real life engage in things that are more participatory rather than observatory if that makes sense mhm mm mhm yeah so yeah the sort of um allure of the of the internet that has connected us all together it's been like this kind of shiny toy dangling over a baby we all get entranced by it and it's so it's new and we're still trying to figure it out you know but there's like that's this voyeuristic aspect that it also uh evokes as well and can pull us out of uh really being in touch with like you know our our organs and our feelings and and what you know these our meat radio signals tuning into others you know the internet putting behind screens is is something really really new for us right I, it's it's we're in this kind of unprecedented time and you and you mentioned that it's kind of different right mike like depending on who you talk to and and how and how they're perceiving the world and um that's really interesting because i'm noticing that there is this sort of like fractalization of reality that's like happening like parsing it out into like little tribal camps and getting into these insulated bubbles where you can be thinking that we live on the flat earth you could be thinking that there's reptiles on the moon that are controlling us i mean you could be thinking that you know climate change is is global warming where we're all going to just ignite into flames one day you know so it's like what where's truth how do we navigate this? Like, how are we going to create a better world or create better solutions and, and have people feeling better about the lives that they're living if we can't even agree on what is? <laughs> you know, kind of a big question, but take a stab at it, guys. <laughs> well, this is, this is related to something we talk about quite a lot, uh, a concept called sovereignty that's not what you would how it's traditionally been used is more about cognitive sovereignty, how you perceive mm -hmm. the world, how you make sense of the world, how you take action, or in other words, inputs, processing, outputs, if you want to put it into more concrete logical terms. Um, people are not very sovereign in that sense. They're not um, making clear sense of the world and finding ways to get clear perception and they're not taking action based off of any of those first two steps. What has end up, ended up happening quite a lot lately that I've been noticing is people are really trying to externalize all of their sense-making abilities. And that well, leads to a lot like, of kind of... What does, that, what does that mean? Like externalize their sense-making abilities. Can you explain that a little bit? They're looking for other people to tell them what to do, to okay. make change, yeah. to, to uh, take action to make sense of the world. Mm -hmm. They're externalizing all of that stuff. And there has been a resurgence of this kind of populist movement. And the, the whole Extinction Rebellion thing is, an all, is also an interesting aspect of this. It's like, how much do you see the messages surrounding this movement actually being about someone else needs to do something rather than what can I as an individual do? And yeah. people seem to have like given up on that idea that anyone, any one individual can do anything. And it's like, 
actually, no, just... you could, <laughs> there's tons you could do, but it's just hard. I mean, if you really want to have like a global impact, stop demanding the most inefficient system we've ever invented, government, yeah. do anything about it. It's right, like, right. What, actually, what actually has functioned to make change in the world? Actually, capitalism's done a pretty good job. I'm not a big fan or proponent of capitalism, but if you want to take action and do it with efficiency, um, you need to find a, a product market fit, something people want to use that you can get money to build and then send to market, and then people will want to use it and pay money for it and adopt it. If it's more efficient, if it's more cost-effective, people will use it. That's the whole idea of markets. But yeah, at least at least now we need to do that because that's that's the container in which we've we're existing in. That's the that's what we've all been conditioned to accept as the framework for our existence. It's like we can't we can't just pop out of that model and 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 tomorrow something radically new just like births into existence. So we sort of have to play that that game a little bit, right? And you know, we definitely uh like this yeah i feel like we've just kind of acquiesced to this like dependence model upon higher institutions and centralized authority so it's it can be confusing it can be very very difficult too to realize like hey you're you can take action yourself but don't don't get me wrong about this i'm not actually like advocating capitalism is the solution i'm i'm really saying i'm really trying to highlight the fact that people will abdicate responsibility to some external source mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. i've seen a breakdown in sovereignty and sense making on the individual level and in outsourcing all of those of all of those mechanisms to external agents there's also a rise in gurus and cults happening now so you can see this manifest in these external figures of authority and sense making so the point is that, um, it, and it's funny because it's, the idea of sovereignty is also not new. It's just the idea of think for yourself and question everything instead of trying to get some daddy figure to tell you what's what or protect you or, you know, lead you <laughs> to a bright future. Just figure out for yourself what is true, what is real, what matters to you and what you can do about all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm thinking about like I, I you know I spend time like looking at you know I used to I used to be like kind of entrenched in a libertarian camp and then like you know anarcho capitalist and now I'm just like I don't I don't want to pigeonhole myself to like any one particular label and I'm also starting to think that you know and I know you guys probably talk about this too a lot I, I I've seen some videos you're talking about you know uh, blockchain and and crypto and, t and tech you know things like that and so maybe we can maybe we're evolving and we just don't know where we're going yet to a new economic framework or a new economics or, or a multitude of new ways to uh form uh, economic agreements with each other and you know so i bring that up because i hear no you know socialism's the way we got to elect bernie that'll fix everything and that goes back to that abdicating responsibility and depending upon these higher centralized powers you know and like the other night i was at a talk with charles eisenstein and uh someone was uh, bringing up like well can't we you know can't we just like take that $700 billion from the military budget and just put it into like education or something. It's like, yeah, we, 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 we could like, but we can't because we don't have access to that lever and the people that do have access to that lever, that's not what that institution is programmed to do. You know, it's like also since when did, you know, the internet's been around for a while. Um, why, why do we still think this sort of college university institution hyper centralization of education is the ideal model? Yeah. Like I've, I, I've, 
chosen not to go into university after I, I finished my college stuff for audio and music production. And I started my own business and I started working on in tech and I taught myself to do programming and design and animation and video editing and podcast editing. And I, you know, built a whole setup to be able to make a studio and, and record podcast episodes. And I run a business, I run, I do all this online stuff. And it's like, no one taught me that in school. Right. I just <laughs> checked out a bunch of YouTube videos and learned how to do it. And when I talk to some friends back home who have, you know, degrees in various fields of communications and business, and it's just like, it's absurd how little they know, how little they've learned from their very, very expensive education. So, I mean, you, you highlighted the problem a little bit in saying that, why don't we just take the money and spend it on, uh, furthering education. Well, the problem is not that those opportunities don't exist is that people aren't driven to go do that for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing stopping you from Googling anything you want or YouTubing anything you want to figure out the degree is the only difference. You're going to get a degree from one of, from the institution and a lot of debt. And in part, yeah. this has to do with how the education system is set up. I mean, it, it squashes people's creativity. It turns them into drones that are perfectly capable of operating in a corporate environment and, you know, <laughs> running on autopilot basically, but uh, they're not capable of thinking for themselves. And it's, yeah, I'm sure it's useful for, <laughs> for the corporations, but it's not useful for the individual. Um, so I don't, I don't blame people, you know, when, if they want to change paths halfway through life and they find it really difficult to teach themselves because it's been bred out of them. Um, I think it just needs to start a lot earlier. I think it needs oh, yeah, to start in, in how children are educated, that that creativity is fostered and that critical thinking and questioning things and being self-driven is fostered rather than being put into a track where you're just fed information. Right. Yeah. And I, and, and Mike kind of alluded to, you know, like being autodidactic and, and in your learning and just discovering for yourself and finding out through experience and trial and error. And that doesn't seem to be like, you know, encouraged in this mainstream apparatus. So it's really, you know, for the people that I'm really interested in, in figuring out, like maybe hearing a little bit, both of, of your journeys too, of that, like awakening process of, or maybe it was always there for you. But I'm really interested in, in like this, like how do people who don't know know <laughs> you know it's like where where is the moment that says like hey you can there's other ways because it seems like it, you know there's this like definite herd mentality of people who are just you know okay i'm gonna go do this and then i'm gonna go do that and i gotta get the degree because i gotta get the job but uh but like you said it, it really kind of molds you you know that that way of thinking kind of makes you think to be grateful for that opportunity, but you're kind of just tampering yourself down and, and, and not really fully expressing the uniqueness that you might have to offer if you go out on your own. So I'm really interested in like maybe your guys' thoughts or your, your journey, your story of, of kind of discovering like, hey, I can do this and, you know, and, and how can other people kind of come to that realization if, if those options, they don't even know those options are really available, you know, even though they are, they're kind of omnipresent, you know. There are a lot of answers to this question in, I would say, evolution and biology um, and, and temperament of, of people. Um, the only reason I even got this spark started of self, 
learning uh, was because I was a very disagreeable kid. Like you couldn't make me do anything. And, and as soon as I found out like the internet and, and Carta encyclopedia and, you know, because I was doing that probably in, in the mid nineties, um, everything exploded for me. I could learn about spiders and music and space and, and, you know, dinosaurs and all kinds of things. And I, suddenly I, my learning was self-directed and I actually would skip school to go home and learn on the internet. Um, and I, I think in grade 11 and 12, I skipped more than 55% of all my classes. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still managed to graduate somehow, but, um, you know, people are resistant to learning new things and self-directing because it's actually quite energy intensive to do that work. Um, it's not easy and it's risky. And a lot of people just out of an unconscious desire for things to just make sense, they do what is written in the cultural script and they don't really question that path. And it can be a really expensive choice to make because not only we've just talked about student loan debt, but it, but these types of scripts don't exactly prepare you adequately for the real future that's coming. Um, they're more about kind of a 1970s model oh. <laughs> or like a pre-industrial or industrial civilizational kind of model, not, not this like post-capitalistic uh, game B kind of model of the world. Mm. Uh, none of that stuff that they teach in, in schools really prepares people to have to, first of all, self-direct and figure out what is useful to spend their energy on. And then also there's a, there's a high degree of, the, of um, kind of fragility mindset that's happening now where people think exposure is damaging. Um, exposure to the world, exposure to new ideas, exposure to, I don't know, the elements, weather, any number of things. There's this idea that we're fragile and so we should be mm. sheltered from the world. And this kind of mentality is also preventing us from gaining the skills that we need to be able to be more adaptive. Right, yeah, protection, safety, security, safe spaces, those sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, that, um, that path uh, was a little bit different than for Mike. Um, I tried for a lot longer to go with a prescribed script of, you know, get an education and all of that. Um, because I just never really thought that entrepreneurship was an option. Um, so I, I went to university, I studied psychology, and, uh, but I just hated it it just seemed so impractical. And, uh, you know, that, that thing that I talk about where even if you're studying something you love is your curiosity and critical thinking and all of that is just going to be beat out of you. And that's what I kept facing over and over and over again. Like I, I just loved learning and I loved the subject, but anything, any kind of thinking outside of the box was completely shut down. You know, I got, got a failing grade on this, essay that I wrote about something that just was outside of like the, the two options that they gave us. Like you can basically write about this or this. And I didn't do that. I just wrote something that I thought was a better solution and I got a failing grade and things like this happened all the time. And, um, eventually I just gave up and I dropped out of university and then actually I went back and then I dropped out again. And, um, then I, I started freelancing in doing art stuff and just 
kind of following following my own curiosity and creativity um but yeah it was definitely a really it was so much failure it was so hard and i was broke for so many years um and it wasn't until i met mike and then learned more about business that you know we were able to build something together that actually worked but even that took many many years so for me i i would say that the traits that kind of pulled me through it was curiosity creativity and just stubbornness honestly <laughs> just yeah. being stubborn despite failing and being broke i was like no fuck it i'm still gonna do what i what i want to do yeah, it sounds like, you know, you really just, you guys are tuned into listening to what your heart and soul and, you know, consciousness w desires and where you want to be directed to and following that path no matter what, because what, what else is there other than that? You know, you're going to become somebody, somebody else that somebody wants you to be or think, you know, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's like whenever I interact with anybody who's in school and they're telling me like, oh, I have this thing and I have to do this and it's either this or that. I'm like, that is terrible. You know, to be limiting, you know, like the the accumulation of facts and uh, the regurgitation of like things that people have wrote before. Like we we sort of value that in the, our educational system as wisdom, but or knowledge, um, or you know, and it's like we're not people aren't being taught how to think. And I think you guys are are doing that, bringing you know, kind of curating uh, these great thinkers and really digging in and exploring and also with the courses and calls that you're doing. Um, you guys are the, you guys are the teachers now, right? How does that feel? We're more participants. I mean, there's some life circumstances that have pushed us forward and into some experiences that you could say are kind of unique. Um, there's been a lot of difficulties that have been concentrated into a short amount of time that have also been unique. Um, I mean, we left Canada in 2013 and have been traveling the world since. So we've had a lot of exposure to the world and to different cultures and different ways of thinking. So it's just being on a slightly faster track that has put us into a position of being able to teach others. Um, but still, in the calls especially that we do, we're, we're just participants with everyone else. There's a set of practices that, that we're all using together that add up to a lot a lot more learning that can take place from everybody just from participation so it doesn't really feel like anything to be teaching this stuff it's just more exciting to see transformation in other people and to participate in that transformation mm -hmm. nice yeah. i would say we're more facilitating than teaching and i mm. think i kind of have a uh, a feeling that that might be the the teaching of the future that it's not top down. It's not me telling you what is what. It's more about I, even in our courses, we're just presenting a set of practices and frameworks that have worked for us, and then say saying to people like, try this, see if it works for you, and then you can pick and choose and grow in whatever ways you want to grow. We're not prescribing a way of thinking, and yeah, in the calls, it's even more open. It's just we're trying to tap into a state of collective intelligence and see what emerges. If anything, we're, we're trying to help people to be better at processing the world rather than finding the ideal state to be in. There's been a lot of discussion in the last several weeks or months about the difference between state and process. Mm. And, and that one's a big thing that really keeps coming up over and over again. And, and 
we're, we're trying to look for like the ideal state to put the world into or the ideal state to be in mentally to be able to deal with the world. And it's, it's kind of an old way of doing things. It's the way we've done them for several hundred years or more. And it's partially the reason we're in this problem in this state to begin with is because we're not very good at processing things as they come along, processing collective intelligence, processing real-time decision-making, these types of things. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it makes me think of something that I was talking about the other day. Someone messaged me and they asked, they heard me on a podcast and they said, I'm wondering, how did you go from being someone who needed healing to now being a healer? And I was like, well, (laughs) I'm like, I'm not a healer, first of all. And the other thing is, I didn't go from one place to the other place, like this false dichotomy of like being in one static location or being one static identity, or as you put it, like in this state, right? Like, I think that that you really hit something there um, when you were saying that because so I see that happening all over the place, even in the spiritual community and the psychedelic community. We want to get to a location where we can kind of go, oh, I know everything and I feel great and I'm just going to be here forever. But really, that's not what's going. That's that's like a delusion. Like you know, it's like with this this we have to be able to kind of like swim in the currents of processing this exponential uh, increasing fragmenting reality change shift yeah. all this stuff like how do we dance with that you know and our, our addiction to state rather than process is manifest in so many different avenues like you said like in the religious community or spiritual community it's like i want to achieve the state of enlightenment not the process of enlightenment mm. like that's a big that's a big shift or the techno utopians will be like, how do we achieve the state of the singularity? You know, think of the word you're using. <laughs> like singularity is a process. It is yeah, a thing yeah. that's, you know, it's not a state. It's not static. Right. And yeah, you everybody, can go everybody so has their fields that way. Yeah. Everybody has their, their heaven, right? Like, yeah. 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 Not realizing that that's, that's the kind of thing that sets you up for disappointment if you even if you do eventually achieve which is rare but if you achieve your ideal version of what your future would look like you're still gonna because you've been so state dependent not process dependent you're looking for the external circumstances that will make you happy rather than the process that makes you happy instead of practicing the process we're working towards some future thing that's supposed to happen and then we get to be happy yeah 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 Yuvi, what do you think uh, about that? What, what's, what's your process been like? How, uh, you know, unfolding? Um, have you, you know, question for both of you guys too. Like, have you found yourself in, in points where you were in a state or thinking from that state-like mentality? And, and what was the transition into the process kind of mentality like? Yeah, I'd say it's been pretty gradual. It's not like something that just a switch that goes off. Um, and it's, we're still learning it. I mean, as we were talking about the the courses, like, yeah, we didn't just become teachers. I'm still learning so much and I'm learning so much actually from the participants in the course. And I feel like we're co-travelers rather than like us instructing somebody. And it's, it's the same with this. I mean, we're, we're figuring out how to be in the process and how to be in that participatory knowing, as John Verveke calls it. I don't know if you've watched his uh, series, Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. It's really great. But that's mm. one of the core ideas is that um, we've 
part of part of what is causing this meaning crisis for people is that they are attached to uh, propositional knowing. So they, they want to know something as a static thing, grasp it without actually having any experience or without practicing it for themselves. And instead, uh, it's participatory knowing that's actually really meaningful and transformational for people. Um, so that's, that's the kind of embodied uh, process <laughs> rather mm -hmm. than state. So, and even that thing is, is been a process for, for me and for both of us. I mean, right. Yeah. 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 I hear this all the time in the psychedelic spiritual realm. You know, I killed my ego, you know, I'm, I destroyed my ego. So now I'm, said you know, the ego. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who's talking? Um, <laughs> yeah yeah and say so, and it's like yeah this 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 idea that you know it's a it's it's like well i i want somewhere to land i want and you know like we started off the conversation talking about these large power structures in our society that rely on you know force and coercion like government and you know manipulative institutions that that demand our worship of you know and participation it's like that has created this sort of like dependence where people are giving themselves away and giving their power away. So they think there's a place to go. They think that there's a place to land. Like, yeah. One of my favorite quotes by Thomas Jefferson is like the timid men fear the calm of despot, uh, timid men settle for the calm of despotism over the tempestuous sea of Liberty. And so yeah. there's just there's so much fear that's, that's, that's like existing. It's like, we're swimming in this ocean of fear so people really want to just land somewhere and, and be there and rest there and say, oh, everything's going to be okay. And it takes a lot of effort and energy to just swim in the ambigu you know, ambiguity of like insecurity and unknowing. You know? And it's like, yeah, that's, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I've been playing with this metaphor for a while that we're like monkeys swinging from tree to tree in the jungle, swinging from branch to branch. And every branch that we swing to and from is representative of a meaning structure or a belief system that we're holding to, that we put our weight on and that supports us. And something I've been advocating quite a lot in the last I don't know, several years, I guess, is um, letting go of those meaning structures altogether and, and getting used to falling. Yeah. Um, and that's a terrifying thing, but something that came up in conversation today about falling, it's like, if you can actually feel that, that sinking feeling in your stomach of falling from a great height and get comfortable with that, learn to deal with that feeling. And that's a metaphor, obviously, for any number of experiences that where we feel out of control. Um, to the circumstances in our lives. If we can just get used to that and get comfortable with it and take sovereign action from that state, then we're, we've already done so much work towards our own resilience and ability to cope with those situations. Like mm -hmm. that's, that is probably in my mind, one of the most resilient places you can come from. Mm. Just is that like comfort and chaos? Yeah. Comfort and chaos. Totally. And like, I was just, you know, you guys talking about sovereignty is like, it's this surrendering into your own sovereignty, I think, right? That, that is kind of scary because a lot of people maybe don't even know, like, well, 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 who am I if I'm not attaching to all these things, right? And, and well, that could be, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose not, I wouldn't use the word sovereignty. I would say maybe surrender into your perceptions, into what is perceivable, but the agency and the sense-making part are a lot of work. Like they're, yeah. they're pr processes and kind of uh, systems 
that you have to build up to be able to process the world a little better. I mean, there is some aspect of surrender, but I would say the surrender part is probably on the perception level, wouldn't you say? Um, I haven't really thought about it in that exact way, but surrendering into sovereignty does resonate with me as something that at least at that point of where people are at, where they are not leaning on their sovereignty, that's what it's going to feel like. Mm. It's going to feel like surrender. And I've actually had this conversation with people quite a few times where they say like, well, if I don't have a guru or a teacher or a guide pointing me the way, like, how do I know anything? How do I know if, if where I'm going is the right way to go? And so that, that is a point of surrender because you don't and you still have to do it. <laughs> and that's, that's how sovereignty is built because it's not, yeah, it's just, it's not externally given ever. And if, you have never exercised that muscle, then it's going to be weak and limp and useless and it's going to hurt. But then eventually as you exercise it more, it's going to get better and, and more skilled. Uh, you're going to get more skillful with it. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it is a bit of a surrender, I would say. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, you know, detaching, letting go, just kind of maybe trusting in yourself a little bit more, you know, so, sort of these things. I know I, I see it a lot of the times when I talk to people, like sometimes people don't, especially younger people, they sort of don't have this truth of their personality, you know, and trust in their perception. So they'll say things that they've heard 17 million times before in pop culture, like influencers or whatever the, you know, the jargon that is going on. Like they just kind of like, constantly shift into these like external personalities and like mm. like like try on these other perceptions it's like hey who where where are you like where are you where, like who's in there really like what's going on you know so yeah it's a lot of that happening and then it manifests online and then people are screaming and yelling and you know, being crazy so much of that stuff is just signaling though like that that's something I, I really, well, we focused on in the courses quite a lot is trying to bring people's attention to their unconscious desires to be liked or perceived a certain way. How you, you want to be perceived dictates, especially nowadays, it dictates so much about people's actions online. Mm -hmm. It's all about perception. So people, you know, they'll spout off random ide ideologies that they have not really investigated in order to seem smart or they'll do the call yeah. of culture. They'll par participate in call of culture and I can say, right. yeah, and try and like get social points for calling out other people for behavior that they have immediately deemed to be immoral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 That like kind of approval, it's safe to go here because it's been proved like other people are doing it, you know? Yeah. And that's so much like I used to work in advertising in New York and you know, it was just this data mining advertising digital agency. I, I left because I was like, this is nuts. Like what we're doing. This is like, even though it's like legal, <laughs> it's just wrong. It doesn't feel good to me that we're really manipulating and like preying upon people. I mean, that's, that's how I see it. But it's this uh, predictability, like we want to be able to like be sure to, to ensure success all the time, you know, to ensure that we'll be liked, ensure that we're okay, that we're going to, no one's going to hurt us and, and that, that sort of thing, which, which can, it, going to the extreme ways, which we see sometimes, you know, this like 
good intentioned utopian vision. I think you brought up an extinction rebellion and stuff like that. It's like that can get that can go too far too, and that utopian idealistic good intention can become crazy tyrannical and dystopian, right? Oh, it's yeah. like what totally. we yeah. yeah. I grew up in the Soviet Union, so there's one example. Mm. You know, good intentioned utopian vision that turned horribly tyrannical and, you know, millions of people died in slave labor camps or just got disappeared for, you know, not <laughs> agreeing with the government. So, yeah, just because something is well-intentioned or just because it's legal or because it's socially acceptable doesn't mean it's good and it doesn't mean that it's going to produce good outcomes for people. Like, mm. slavery was legal at one point, right. you know? <laughs> Is it good? No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the, I get the sense of a lot of people here in America just think, well, that can't happen here. You know, like, that, that won't happen here. And they sort of direct their energy on different kinds of things. I mean, Trump is just a symptom of the problem. I don't think he's, you know, like this thing that a lot of people make him out to be. What do you guys think about the current climate, um, you know, the current like kind of political climate and how people are like interacting and interfacing with that? I think most of what we've already talked about indicates what is happening in the world. Like yeah. the desire to appear a certain way, the desire to externalize sovereignty, perception, sense-making agency to external agents because it's either on an energetic level, it's cost effective to do that or because people are too lazy or they're too inexperienced. Scared. Yeah. They're scared. Yeah. I think there's a lot of action that's, that's taking place in the world that is completely based out of either grief or fear or panic. Mm -hmm. Right. Or a combination yeah. of all three. So when I hear Greta Thunberg saying, I want you to panic, I'm like, oh, you, great. <laughs> you, you are a cult leader's wet dream. Like right. if, how many millions of people are listening to that? And then saying like, oh, we have to panic. And then from panic, people make terrible decisions mm -hmm. and they don't trust themselves and they go find some, you know, strongman figure to give up their sovereignty to who's going to fix everything. And it just perpetuates the same system that we've always had, probably right. even worse. Yeah. Wartime thinking. I'm thinking of like, yeah. you know, after 9-11, it was like, well, we got to just do things to make things happen. So we got to just get this in there. Everyone's got to panic and, and go crazy. And we just have to pass this thing, this, these bills, this Patriot Act. We got to suspend liberties and freedoms because it's necessary. And yeah, I get that sense too. It's like, you know, we don't, we don't have to go down that route that that could lead to a lot of trouble. Um, even just a funny example yesterday, like I, I've got a little electric scooter in Plovdiv and it's, it's this really long walking street that I take every day to go to the gym. And I was like two meters away from this little girl and her mom and, and the girl didn't see me coming and just like looked up and screamed. I was two meters away. It was quite a bit of space and it's really maneuverable. Mm -hmm. And then the mom starts screaming at me as I pass by because her kid was startled and that startled her. And I could just imagine this whole scenario unfolding of like, you know, people aren't exactly super excited about seeing scooters all over the place. These electric scooters, everyone kind of hates right, them yeah. actually. And I could <laughs> see like it, events like this taking place where there would be a scooter ban all over the city because too many people are, are so easily startled and not kind of used to, I don't know, used to 
handling their own safety or used to fast moving objects or whatever you want to say. Or it's just, just used like, to paying attention to yeah, what's around. Actually, them. that's really it. There's so little like heads up awareness <laughs> that people have. It's like, right. you know, it's that typical, like here's a walking street. Someone's looking to the right, walking to the left. And it's like they drive the same way, looking to the right, turning to the left. And it's like, take personal responsibility before you seek to change the world by enacting some ill-conceived law, you know? Yeah. To create yeah. a false sense of comfort. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's all. Because right. that's yes. all it's doing is giving you comfort. It's not actually mm. protecting you from anything. It's just like, because yeah. you're not in danger most of the time anyway. <laughs> that's the funny thing. Like how much, yeah. how much do you think these laws are really protecting you? Well, they're not, you know, I mean, I think laws are just uh, words on paper. They're not even on paper anymore. Where are they on screens? You know, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's, it's this invisible thing that just is that people, you know, think that has some kind of uh, effect, you know, with, you know, banning guns or whatever. It's like, okay, well, you know, sure. Make all the laws you want. People are still go, people are going to get what they want to get. People are going to do what they're going to do. You can write all the laws in the books. That's why we have something called, criminals you know or like whatever yeah so um yeah and 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 this this kind of uh way of thinking also is um really detrimental to to people kind of actually coming into uh the a, a, pro, a process way of of looking at things this this kind of nuanced dance that we have to do where we don't necessarily need you know, top down blanket rules and, and situations that govern everybody just because, you know, one person jumped off of a rooftop because they ate too much LSD and thought they could fly. As Bill Hicks says, you know, why don't you take off from the ground? You know, it's like there's, <laughs> there's, 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 it's just, you know, one person ruins it for everybody. That's not the kind of world yeah. that, that we should be living in. But like you were saying, UV, like it's, it's this fear, it's this crazy you know, fear and that, and that leads to just, you know, these things happening. And I had another point, but I kind of forgot what it was, but I, I would like to know a little bit more about like, you know, with all these, uh, these, these ideas and, and collective intelligence and process thinking and everything, who are some people and what are some ideas that, that you've really heard recently, maybe from interviewing people on your podcast that you really, you really have heard them and you were like, okay, that's, that seems to be a good direction forward. You know, I w I've been talking with some people who, and I, and I, I kind of have been thinking in this way too, that maybe it's going to take a crisis for people to kind of jolt awake and like break out of the matrix, you know, some kind of crisis. And, you know, I was talking to uh, Christopher Ryan uh, the other day, he wrote the book civilized to death. And we were talking about, uh, you know, I was in New York during Hurricane Sandy and this like disaster where you would think that things would devolve into chaos, but everybody it was the opposite. Everybody was, was lending a hand, be, being friendly. So that makes me sort of like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to have like a catastrophe, like wipe out, you know, lots of things, but there's something beautiful that comes out of, of crisis too. So I'm wondering, is it just a long way of me getting around to like, where do you, where are these, uh, where are the ideas from the people that are thinking in a way that you guys think are going to help move us into a better future? And, or is there going to be some kind of like crisis point or will it be like this slow evolution of integration? Mm, I'd like to frame break your question a little bit because All right. um, I think that, 
now is the time for people to use their own sovereignty and sharpen their own perception, sense making and agency and figure it out for themselves. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, listening to all these great ideas is awesome. But if it's just going to be the same pattern of consumption and simulated thinking as Jordan Hall likes to call it, where you're not actually coming to these ideas yourself, you're just hearing them somewhere and then adopting them as if they're true without actually any practice. Um, it's just going to result in the same kind of world. And that's not what we need. So I think that people need to take it into their own hands and start, start learning, start practicing, start interacting with other people, building things and just seeing what you can do from like your, your own capacities from where you are. Um, not having some sort of grandiose idea about saving the world. I think that's super delusional. Just focusing on their own life. I mean, that's, that's what we've been trying to do for many years now. Um, just yeah. building things to our own capacity and, and learning things to our own capacity and trying things and failing and trying again. And, you know, now interacting a lot more with other people and, and trying to do these group exercises and, and calls and things where we practice these um, kind of way, ways of being with other people. Um, but it, it's just, it, I think it needs to be internally driven, not externally given. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and why that's like, why do those things? Why, why, what's the point? What's the purpose? What, you know, why, why should we engage in that, in that mode? <laughs> well, um, because that's how evolution happens. That's how new things emerge. So, yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that things are changing. I mean, things are always changing, but I, I do think that we are in some sort of a, um, <clears throat> perhaps breaking point in, in our culture. And, uh, I think that, a lot of people can feel that. I don't, I don't know if I need to convince anyone that things are changing. So that's taking things into your own hands and doing what you can is probably the best way to ensure that you're going to be okay in whatever future comes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We talk about a couple of processes that I think work. We also focus on like what what is awakening and what does it look like to awaken to the real world or at least to a more accurate. I mean, even I recognize as I'm saying this stuff, it's all kind of relative and perceptual, but there are a few practices that we've been really focusing on that work uh, quite well for people. And, and the sovereignty thing, like uncovering ways in which you're, clarity and of perception and sense making about the world are are not very clear not very good broken mm -hmm. um and then the second part would be to face the the kind of unconscious dark sides of your own personality and character and mm -hmm. being like a physical being as well yeah that's um, huge so yeah we and that that concept is called shadow work um, yeah. carl Jung, i think was one of the first people to really start talking about this mm -hmm. idea of shadow work or facing the unconscious um, and the, you know, I brought up earlier the, this idea that there is so much decision making and action taking place from those places of grief or fear. Um, this shadow work is kind of one of those processes that you can use to mitigate this, and it can be done through meditation, um, through psychedelics, 
Mm -hmm. um, some, ayahuasca. Yeah, there are some therapeutic modalities that are really good for processing shadow material as well. I don't think there's yeah. one right way to do it, and different things work for different people. But the, yeah, the general direction of just making the unconscious conscious is super useful. Definitely, hundred percent agree. And you can, you got to go in. You got to go in there. You know, and a lot of people kind of. I see a lot of people doing that. I also see a lot of people skating around the edges, you know, because, you know, in a form of spiritual bypassing or, you know, psychedelic yeah. consciousness, altered state bypassing and materializing and, you yeah. know, uh, grabbing onto things as like uh, trophies and ornamentation to say like, look what I've done. I, I've done 40 ayahuasca ceremonies. How many have you done? You know, yeah. Like, we, we call that gemstones. Collecting yeah, gemstones, gemstones along right. the path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, gemstones for sure. Well, this this gets me to like, and I know we're, we're probably heading up here on on, on wrapping. You got, how are you guys doing for time? Uh, yeah, we've got a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, like I really love uh, Terrence McKenna when he talks about the felt presence, uh, the felt experience of uh, the felt presence of direct experience, and that's something that I've really embodied and tried to live by. Is just like you know, big and doing psychedelic ceremonies. Uh, you know. In, in a very sacred uh, way with respect and, and reverence to the process to really deepen myself into every aspect of the totality of my being and in, in, in the multitudes that I am and like feeling what that feels like and experiencing it for myself. So this goes back to, you know, this kind of um, abdicating responsibility and that kind of dependence model, you know? And um, yeah, I, I wonder if you like has, has uh, psychedelics, or, or variations of altered states played a part in, in shaping uh, the unfolding of, of your process uh, for you guys? Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. DMT, ayahuasca, mushrooms, pot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all really contributed. Yeah. But it, there's, there, there's a way to use it. It's never yeah. been like a social party thing. It's always been like the Terrence McKenna style, you know, take, Six grams in silent darkness. Hero dose in silent yeah. darkness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just had, I just, uh, I try and do one pretty much almost every change of the season. So I did one uh, like last Sunday. It was the full moon. Um, it was great. It was, it was, it was wonderful. And so, like my, you know, I, I always kind of use it to, to with the intention of like cleansing and clearing and like creating more space um, and opening up more of like a relationship with like every microorganism that's inside of me, you know, like listening to what my body is saying, like clearing that capacity and trying to create, you know, like defragging the computer, you know, and it's, it's a wonderful reminder. And I think that, uh, yeah, that's, there's, there is. So I think initially when I reached out to you guys, I was telling you about how, like, I feel like I'm a little bit limp, like be, becoming insulated in this like psychedelic community. Like I'm here in Denver, we decriminalized mushrooms. It's great. But a lot of the talk that we see and we hear from, you know, uh, organizations like MAPS and Hefter Institute, Imperial College of London, like these places, it's like really, really focused on like the therapeutic healing kind of scientific medical model. You know, and um, and that's good. That's great. You know, but there's also also what comes with that is like government control and regulation and, you know, these sorts of things. And um, yeah, it, it I think it's preventing like really radical psychedelic thought or like so-called psychedelic thought. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I, when I found you guys, I was like, well, this is this is 
this is psychedelic thought. I mean, what the psychedelic is like mind manifesting into the world, like coming into being. So yeah, well, I wonder, I don't know, do you have any thoughts or opinions on that kind of stuff? Or maybe, you know, like bubbles that insulate people from thinking in particular ways and, and stuff like that, or just from psychedelic thought community particularly? Well, that it's kind of a really broad question to get into. Like, I'm not really sure how to frame it, but I can think of some things that are kind of relevant um, and I think more pointed. Um, psychedelics have played a huge role, but only in the extent of our, of it being parallel to a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that practice could be of inquiry or shadow work or any number of things. Meditation. And I just wanted to add on to the last point about shadow work that there is so much to be gained through a willingness to just face your own dark side yeah um and face what you're afraid of and and to use your emotions as a compass to point you in the direction like anytime that bubbling like oh i don't want to think about that i don't want to feel that i don't want to do that anytime that feeling comes up uh orient towards it you know don't don't shy away from it point towards it investigate um and you can use psychedelics to help with that kind of stuff um you can use meditation as well of course Mm-hmm. Um, as well through various experiences, I would say DMT being the biggest one, I recognize the necessity of a good meditation practice to be able to focus and, and gain something from those experiences because they're so wild and so crazy and there's so many like shiny objects to run towards <laughs> in a DMT right, experience yeah. that it, it's yeah. like, you know, Terrence McKenna had said, don't give into astonishment. And I think meditation is the tool to not give into astonishment. Yeah, it's just I so love, much more that, yeah. beyond the the tunnel, right? You know? Yeah, mm. yeah. You could get you could get lost in the magical forest and be like, yeah. "Wow, this is how." Let me just stay here. This is wonderful. Yeah. But where? What is it telling you? What is it communicating to you? What is the, What is something that you can extract from it and integrate it? You know. And there's always such a meta level. Like it's it, it's like so many times through DMT or mushrooms, there's just been one level of thing of of experience where I, I'm you know, everything's psychedelic and crazy and, you know, deep fractal patterns and all this stuff. And I'm seeing images of past and present and relationship interactions and all of this kind of stuff. And, but there's always in anal- analyzing that experience weeks or months later, there's always this meta level of, of recognizing how, how I was in that state, my, the reflection of myself on that state. And you know, let's say, for example, my desire to have meaning or to tell a story, you know, we used to record, we used to do DMT or mushrooms and then record podcast episodes shortly after we didn't, we, we actually recorded audio and then made podcasts uh, later, having reflected on what we recorded. But yeah. it was still there was this like desire to find a story so that we could tell our listeners, you know, some new interesting insight from doing DMT. Mm. And like an analysis of that over time, I, I started recognizing like that's a whole egoic thing to just try and pull stories or lessons from something in order to share them. Right. Like, Am yeah. I really finding anything that's of value to just me on a very deep and personal level? Because that's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I was in this place and I saw this this thing and it it turned into to this elf that had a dragon yeah. head. You know, it's like yeah. yeah, I remember listening to like Joe Rogan, Aubrey Marcus going on there and talking about like the dragon and the ayahuasca and all this stuff. And like I kind of wish that I didn't before I went to drink ayahuasca because it sort of set me up for some expectations even though I was trying really hard to not have expectations. It's like 
that's to me, it's like, that's not the point. It's not the point isn't like seeing the things and telling the story. And, you know, even though it could be cool or it could be fun or it could be interesting, it's like, it's to the point to me of psychedelic use is to walk, like to be the thing that it's, that you're getting from the experience and act it out and live it out in the world, you know, to, to a degree that feels like it's, uh, connected to something productive in in like the environment to help lift yourself up and maybe others around you you know something to that 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 degree you know mm-hmm. I find, yeah i find it really useful to take a shamanic approach yeah. to all of these practices um because and i mean that in the very kind of old sense uh, you know what shamans used to do in pre-agricultural society and so it's first of all it's entirely self-directed like yeah you might have people who are kind of helping you figure out some basic things but at the end of the day it's just you versus the grand mystery (laughs) and it's um so it has to be self-directed secondly it's about constantly breaking your own frames so if you get stuck in any kind of like oh i figured it out or like you know, I've reached this level of development or, uh, you know, <laughs> any, anything or in yeah. the modern psychedelic communities where people are, you know, dick measuring with each other, like I've done 50 <laughs> ayahuasca ceremonies or whatever, like that is a frame that you have solidified into. So, okay, recognizing where, where's, what's the glass box that you're in and then going and breaking that again. And then the next thing solidifies and then breaking that again. So psychedelics are an excellent tool for breaking your frame, but you can also get stuck in a certain kind of frame if you're doing Mm -hmm. lots of psychedelics. So um, both of us have, have done lots of different practices. Like, you know, Mike mentioned um, shadow work or uh, meditation or self inquiry or even travel and living in different cultures. Um, it's, it can really change how you look at the world because people don't think the same in other places. Or just going into isolation, that's a classic shamanic tool, just separating yourself from society and all the social validation that we get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being, sitting quietly with all of your thoughts and perceptions and facing all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe you know you can slowly kind of chisel off or the cultural conditioning can slowly erode and then you can kind of you know the the being that you really are can emerge out of that space i I think that's a great you know tool how many people you know i i was talking to someone the other day i was like just just take a deep breath just like just take one deep breath can you do that and they like like it was like even resistant to them to think about that you know this like constant connection could be pretty overwhelming and you know frying our sensory input uh, organs like oh my god like i'm too i need to be stimulated all the time i need to go from one thing to the next thing constantly but leaving that space is key and i agree with you uv like that's the shamanic approach i lived in in the peruvian amazon with the the shipibo for a little while um and that i mean there was being there was amazing. You know, there's some things that maybe you wish like you're a little d- detached, like some things that, that you wish you could have access to, but coming back like after six months and coming back into 
America was like, I mean, yeah, I like, I felt like I, I had, yeah, I'd been like just thrust into this like aggressively crazy, hostile, like insane psychopathic environment. And as soon as I landed in Miami airport, like every TV has either ESPN or, um, you know, CNN, Fox News on, like, oh, be afraid of this today, be afraid of that today, or like, whatever. It, it, <laughs> just, you're just, when, once you cleanse, you know, out of, the, you're, you're so open, you know, to receiving all that stuff. Are you, do you guys have any, like, worries or concerns that, that, uh, that you, you know, may, I mean, in your own lives and how you go about doing, you know, making sense of things and uh, making sure that you're, like, feeling good and connected with community are there are there any things that like maybe pop up or fears or or worries that either you yourself feel or see or that maybe you see in others hmm. yeah there's there's pretty normal stuff there's fear about environmental collapse about economy about you know your own cash flow um about the increasing isolation yeah i mean we're about to have a child as well so there's, there's oh congratulations with that thanks Thank you. wonderful um but all of that said i mean it, it's pretty human i'm describing very human Just things like stuff. everyone has these experiences but it's really about how those things get processed which is what we've tended to focus on so much in the last several years so those things are not really big issues you know, like there's action being taken, the external circumstances always being being responded to and planned for. But there's also an internal framework of processing those things that is, is quite good, quite effective and efficient. Um, and it relates to all the things we've discussed so far. It's like, yeah, you know, how do we process those inputs and then take action? And I, I would say the, both of us have quite a good framework for that. So there's not a lot of stress in our lives. Or, or worry or grief or any of that stuff. Nice. Yeah. Can you give me like maybe an example of a way that you go about processing and, and how you go through this, you know, method? I mean, you know, you guys have, um, you do uh, courses that you, that you offer. And I think you referred to that, that you were on the call. Maybe, you know, I'll obviously put some links and, and get people to take a look. But uh, if you give it maybe like a little like sample of, of uh, or an example rather of uh, something that, you know, you would go about doing for yourselves and, and, uh, in this work? Sure. Well, the, the two courses are what we've already mentioned quite a lot in this call. Um, it's the first one's sovereignty and the second one's shadow work. And it's yeah. full of exercises. Um, there, I think there are about 10 or so modules in each course and each module has an exercise. Might be more than that, right? Yeah. It's yeah. 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah. And each one has a, an exercise that can take up to a week to do, sometimes longer. Sometimes people will take it and then go off on their own tangent, reading like a mountain of books and doing other practices and then return to the course, you know, several months later. So that's become a, a funny thing that it, it, it sets people off on any number of directions because there's so many exercises. Yeah. But um, I would say... Uh, uh, I think it would be really interesting. This is something that we talked about yesterday because um, you often take a very intellectual approach yeah. to processing this stuff. And I think it, it speaks to a lot of people who are very heady. Yeah. And so maybe you can give an example of that and I can give an example of a body-based. Oh, sure. Oh, that, that's a good that, that, that'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
So I, I actually, that's a, that is definitely a good way to start. And I've been thinking about how to use materialism and logic and, and, and kind of that integral theory orange level of like attempting to unlock some embodied experience in people through language or through logic or through deconstruction. And a lot of that comes down to um, practices of, of finding what is true and what is real and deconstructing your own perceptions about reality and who you are and what your identity is. And there's really simple but really, really profound things that you can do, questions you can ask yourself, that if you really take it seriously and, and go down the rabbit hole, there, there is like an insane set of realizations, cascading realizations that happen. And it's really simple. It's like, the first one is, what is true? Done. What is true? Go out there and ask yourself what is true. And then, and then do the scientific method. Always try and refute anything you believe to be true. Try and break it down. And then the second one is, who am I? You know, where, where is my consciousness centered? Those two questions, I mean, I can't tell you the number of insane realizations and epiphanies that have come out of just those two questions for years that have fed me for years and years and years. Um, I mean, if you look at any book that talks about enlightenment, those are often the two questions that they, that teachers or gurus will propose that the student does for years. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, that's, that's a good way to use the intellect to deconstruct the intellect. Very nonspecific, but just try it. No, that's, no, that's great. That's beautiful. What you said is great. It's fantastic. And, um, yeah, it reminds me of, um, this, uh, when you were talking about truth, uh, Byron Katie, you know, has like these, uh, four, the author Byron Katie talks about like to, to, to continue or ask, ask ourselves like, is this true? How do I know it's true? You know, do other people, you know, like the, these series of questions I was trying to kind of pull it up cause I, I forgot, but yes, I mean, yeah. And you were saying like, it could, it feeds you for years. Like, right. It's like never ending, constantly checking in with that way. Uh, UV, what a, yeah, and anytime you, you find something that you think is true, that's an indication that you need to do the work, do the work on that and deconstruct it. And like people arrive, it's so funny too, how, how much of a similar pattern everyone who does this work goes through. It's just like, you could just map it. It's really funny. Um, yeah. You know, people will latch on to, especially in spiritual or psychedelic communities, everyone's really latched onto this idea that the universe is love at the center of it. And like universe is love and light and you need to orient yourself towards good and thereby avoid feeling bad or facing the dark side. It's all really related to the shadow work stuff. So this is like one of those assumptions. How do you know? How do you know the universe is good at heart? What is true about that statement? And then seek to refute it. Can you find examples? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just a, yeah. Yeah. It's another dogma, another trap, you know, another area of worship to, to yeah. believe in. Um, Yuvi, what about, what about for yourself? Um, yeah, so I've used that, that same method quite a lot, but I've also used some body-based practices for, for processing things, um, and I found those to be incredibly useful as well. And so here's how I would go about it. So if I felt a really strong emotion about something, that's usually a good indicator that some, well, there's some, something important here happening because obviously the body is reacting and the body has a lot of wisdom. 
so it's not reacting for no reason. So what I right, would do, yeah. if like you feel like a tightness in your chest or your stomach or something, so you're paying attention to that, cueing into that, right? Yeah. So what I would do is I would, I would put myself into a, a meditative state, kind of in a trance state where I'm just not really thinking about what's happening, but more tuning into uh, the feeling of what, what it feels like in the body. Where is it in the body? Uh, and try to notice what that sensation is like on a really kind of micro level. Like, is it tingling in my fingers? Is it hot or cold? Does it kind of feel electric? Um, does it come in waves? Is it pulsating? Or is it kind of like more of a, a stable kind of thing? Does it go away quickly? Or does it linger? And just kind of try to really figure out the flavor of the sensation and really kind of ride the wave of it. Just, just relax into it, even if it's uncomfortable, especially if it's uncomfortable. Just, just allow to kind of for myself to become completely one with it. And then I notice that once I do that, it gets processed very quickly. And it's, it's a very nonverbal thing and very not, not an intellectual thing, but something seems to happen. Something releases. It's almost like the way that I've described it is like the body is trying to say something. And this is how I would make sure that it's getting heard fully by really tuning into that feeling. And then once the body is heard, it's almost like um, some sort of new wisdom is gained. But again, it's not, it's not verbal. It's not like a gemstone that I can say, oh, I figured this thing out and I can write it out in words. It's more of a felt thing. So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's been of super course, useful. Of course, yeah. No, it totally <laughs> makes sense. I mean, and, and I would say that it is an intelligent thing. It is, an, it is you know, the very intelligent. It's communicating to us, or, you know, our body. I've, I've done a lot of ketamine uh, therapy and working in a uh, this like somatic uh, approach, like tuning into the body and like learning how to listen to what is happening in the different organs and what they're trying to say to me. You know, it's, I mean, obviously somebody who's not really in our genre or whatever, like outside could be like, well, that's woo woo crazy stuff, right? It's like, well, it's, really not and and so i think that's a great that's a great approach to take because so many people are so disconnected from their bodies you know we walk around like we're just these lumbering brains like krang from the ninja turtles you know just like it's a big machine body walking around just lugging this brain around uh but yeah when we pay attention when we listen there's some there's some there's some real wisdom in there for sure so that's great thanks for sharing that stuff guys mm. yeah yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I want to, uh, so in, and you know, I just want to also say that like, you know, this stuff isn't just like, for the, obviously the, the work that you're doing and the practices that you're engaging in is so you could li like live a more peaceful, like life and more harmony with like deeper connections to the real things that excite us as human beings. Um, what, what, like, do you guys have any like burning questions that you're just like aching to know or to figure out? I mean, maybe when you have someone on the show and you're interviewing them and it's like really something that you're trying to, to understand, or I don't know, I'm just kind of curious as to what's, what's like tickling the neurons in your meat computers. 
I just, I, I love learning. I, I, again, it's more about a process than a specific state uh, or a, an answer I need. It's more about trying out processes, using processes. So I, I'm obsessed with learning. So I, I constantly am picking up new things. I'm learning Python right now. Oh, cool. And, and I've uh, got these, I can't pull it because it's all cabled up, but I've got a Raspberry Pi that I'm playing with. That's been pretty cool. Um, learning animation stuff like that that's just always fun and then picking people's brains who i i respect or think have interesting new things things to say it's always there's always tons to think about and and play with with your curiosity mm -hmm. yeah for me it's, yeah. it's been really about uh, an embodied process and it's really interesting that mike and i are so different in so many ways and our approaches are so different but often we arrive at the same conclusions yeah. yeah, you really, you guys really complement each other really well. You know, yeah, that's it's like, yeah. We often joke that we're uh, like together. We make one kind of full human being <laughs> between the two of us, but we really have some sort of a symbiotic collective intelligence. The, the Mike UV organism that we we occupy a really different kind of uh, niches of it, um, but. Yeah, together we, we really bring a lot to each other. Um, <clears throat> but yes, to say uh, that my own process has been super embodied for the last few months and it's been really nonverbal um, and kind of, I'm still figuring out ways to, to describe it. Um, I'm going through my first pregnancy. So it's been uh, a very interesting initiation from nature mm. um, into a different state of being. And uh, it's a lot about kind of allowing and, and turning within rather than going out there and doing anything. So it, it, from the outside, it looks like I, nothing is happening, but uh, lots is happening on the inside. It's like I'm mutating in real time. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I'm sure I'll have uh, more to say about it in the future, but it's been a very, very interesting process because it's something so simple and human. And yet it's so profound yeah 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 wow yeah and so and you're you know bringing a new life form into the world i'll just I, maybe i'll end end the call with just like a grand vision like what what kind of world do you want to like what's your ideal world that you want to bring them into hmm. or he or she i would um i don't know if if we can do this as a humanity, but what I would really love to see is a, a world that is focused around the principle of omni-thrive. So what this means is that every living thing and every living system uh, is able to thrive to its maximum capacity while also allowing all the other living things to thrive. So it doesn't mean that you know the lion doesn't eat the gazelle. Uh, because that is part of the ecosystem. So yeah, that, that, is, that is required for that ecosystem to thrive. But what is, what is the process in which everything has the capability to maximally thrive? So that would mean that we would have to be a lot more in tune with our own bodies and in tune with each other and in tune with other living beings on this planet, with the plants and animals and ecosystems. And uh, the, the whole biosphere would have to be in tune with itself. Yeah. Yeah, li a living, awakened world. Yeah. How about for you, Mike? What do you think? 
a lot of the work that we're doing, I think if, if that were to manifest in the world, like more people were to get exposed to these ideas, I think it would create a pretty awesome world. I mean, you know, first of all, I, I'd love to see debates and conversations on the internet and on TV and in the media um, be more about seeking truth than about uh, winning. And that's one thing I think that would change really immediately is like, how do we converse with each other? Do we find truth? Do we improve by exposure to one another? Um, I'd like to live in a world that's more able to do that. And that's more of an immediate next step. It's not quite so far into the future as what you've described, but um, I think it's possible and in, in, in moving in that direction. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, great. I think you guys are a big part of that, that process, you know, being sort of a, uh, a beacon of light that's sort of, you know, orienting around truth constantly, you know, circumambulating around the, the, where is the, 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 the whole, the point of wholeness and connectedness. And so, you know, if you're, if you're doing that and you're walking that, uh, you're also giving other per people permission to do that as well. You know, like you were saying, like learning on your own and creating these things on your own. So, it's uh yeah i think it's happening we're moving there i'm optimistic you guys sound like you are too so yeah it's great um yeah i, th I think this has been a, a great conversation it was it was great to kind of get to know you guys and and to chat i, I really didn't have like a, a direction that i wanted to go in but just kind of be open and curious um so thanks for being here and participating in this cool thanks for having oh, us thanks for having yeah, us you got it cool so yeah, um, and then go to, uh, you want to tell people where they can go to find your, your stuff, Future Thinkers podcast and uh, website courses and all that? Yeah, futurethinkers.org. Um, we're doing some changes to the back end of the site right now, so it might be down. So I won't give any specific links to that, but just go to futurethinkers.org and then the nav menu, there'll be everything. And if you're really new to the podcast, then go to the start, click the start button in the nav and you'll get a list of all the current episodes, current projects, the courses, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, you guys are just putting together some some awesome stuff and curating some great, you know, thinkers and picking picking some good brains. So keep picking, <laughs> uh, keep chipping away, and cool. uh, hopefully we can do this again. Thanks. So thanks again, guys. All right. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell, share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you, if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com, patreon slash Mike Brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.